Hey everyone, it's Keith. It's late June 2022, and I am back in Berlin. And I've been trying to adjust and recalibrate, take things in, acclimate. I've been taking a break as usual, always second-guessing myself, wondering, do I need to be recording a podcast? Do I need to be delving into the issues of the day? Maybe I can just have conversations out in the world with friends and acquaintances, people I trust, maybe new people I don't trust. Um, And it just strikes me how difficult it is to have conversations so often of the time. It's a sadness that we don't really know how to talk to each other, you know? And it does get me returning here to record today on the topic of abortion, which I'm going to use once again after several podcasts already as just a, a shining example of one of these classic debates that people just talk past each other in. And yeah, I've been thinking about a lot of things. Abortion is not really one of them. But now that the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade, I think it's important to weigh in and perhaps remind ourselves of some things. I'm going to approach this in my serene, somber, meditative way here. It's just so much easier than trying to talk this stuff out with people who get so high on their emotions. And I don't mean to lambast that. It's understandable that we become passionate about topics we care about, that we're invested in. It, it's okay, and it's, it makes sense. But it just doesn't help conversation when we become so animated with our own personal opinion and perspective. I don't know if I'm that different, but I do really try to practice being reasonable and patient. And that's the spirit in which I record this, not to provide answers in per se, but to at least provide a perspective of mindfulness and to hear out different perspectives. I'm trying to think through my own thoughts about this, and I'm just trying to also shield myself from the noise, the outrage mob, you know, the mainstream takes, the prescribed attitudes that we all seem to be fed on social media and the like. So let's get into it. I want to I wanna describe what's happened on a technical level, just as a, a sort of overview and education. And I want to try and see things from the other side of the aisle. To be clear, I am pro-choice, and I always have been. I am red-pilled in a lot of ways, but uh, this isn't one of them. And yet... I do find myself more concerned with the reaction to this news than the news itself. And maybe that is the natural contrarian in me. Maybe it is because I just hear basically center-left politics. Maybe if I was surrounded by conservative media, I would have a different take here. But I want to kind of try and digest this somewhat undigestible outrage machine that is liberal journalism and sympathize with this other side, like I had said, and then also just try and take a a long view here, a bigger picture of everything that we're facing and dealing with. So to overview, the Supreme Court is now conservative. It had been moderate for my entire life. Uh, 
which is to say that no, whatever the vote was, there would always be basically four left-leaning judges and four conservative ones, and then like a middle vote that would often sway it one direction or another from a moderate judge. But now it's pretty traditionally conservative, I guess you could say. I still have seen some opinions come down that um, do still lean somewhat left or at least center. So I don't think this is a really ideologically driven Supreme Court, despite what you might hear about it. You know, Trump did appoint some of these guys and uh, Hillary couldn't. And let's not forget that the very highly esteemed Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not step down, despite her very old age, even when pressed by the Democratic machine, which would have allowed Obama to appoint a new, more left-leaning judge. Uh, I just want to tuck that into this conversation because we wouldn't really be here if she did step down. Not to blame her specifically, but it's worth noting. So anyways, what does it mean that they overturned this decision? So first of all, to remind everyone, Roe versus Wade, which I had talked about just recently, it essentially assured the right to privacy for American citizens. And somehow through that language, it has been interpreted that that protects abortion, given that your womb as a woman is your private business. And so what you do with that is protected. And this has perturbed Christians, especially, who fundamentally believe that life begins at conception, so they see abortion as murder. And look, I don't view the world like that, but if you do view it like that, you must be the one that's outraged <laughs> of all the baby killing going on out there. There was no law that was overturned. Let's be clear. This was not a legal matter in terms of defining law. This is merely removing this judicial decision that had sort of suggested that, a, that the federal government had a stance on this topic. But all that's happened now is that it's been made a state's decision. So the U.S. is comprised of 50 states. That word is used to mean sovereign state in most of the world. It's used interchangeably with country, the state of Israel, the state of Libya, what have you. And all this means now is that it's up to each state to determine its own laws on abortion. Abortion laws differ from state to state. And looking at this quick map that I've seen today from The Guardian, I don't know if this is surprising to you or not, it remains legal in a plurality of them, which means that it's legal in more states than it is illegal, so to speak. It's legal and protected in 20 states, including all the big coastal ones and the Northeast and Illinois, where Chicago is, and Minneapolis and Colorado, where Denver is, and New Mexico, not to mention Alaska and Hawaii. It is legal for 26 and a half million women. It is banned for 6 million women in eight states. States like Alabama and Louisiana and Arkansas and Oklahoma and Utah. These are the places where you cannot get an abortion, effectively speaking. A little more info about the source I'm looking at. Look up The Guardian, tracking where abortion laws stand in every state. It breaks it down into five categories. Legal, threatened, ban or severe restrictions soon, that's 10 states. Ban blocked in three and banned in six. And it calculates women of reproductive age. And it says 66.4 million women out of the 160 million in the USA and out of a 332 million people in the USA. So take that for what it's worth to reemphasize a plurality of women at 26.5 uh, million 
have legal access, and another 16.3 remain, uh, it remains accessible, though it's threatened in these 11 states. So we're still talking about actually a majority of women that still have access to safe legal abortion, to make that clear. And even in certain states where it's banned, like Missouri, the vast majority of the population of Missouri lives on borders. Kansas City borders Kansas, and half that metro area is in Kansas, where abortion is still legal. And St. Louis borders Illinois. The half of that metro area is in Illinois, where it is not only legal, but protected. So even for banned state citizens, abortion is still very accessible by simply crossing this very imaginary state line. So it just brings up this topic that I'm going to get into, like, who is really disenfranchised here when we get down to it? Who cannot get an abortion? I'm floating that. I'll get back to it. Uh, this decision is really threatening Texas very specifically, as well as states like Ohio and Tennessee. But Texas is really interesting to me because it kind of is emblematic of the country as a whole. It's a very purple state, almost divided in half of liberals and conservatives, with major metro areas like Houston and Dallas, number four and five out of the country. New York, LA, and Chicago, obviously protected. It's Texan women for whom I sympathize the most, really, because these are the women that are most affected. First of all, there's way more of them. But in places like Kentucky or Alabama, maybe it's just now banned, technically, but it has been on the decline for some time. There's just one clinic, if any, in many of these states. And why is that? It's because these are very culturally Christian, conservative places that have always frowned on abortion. It's always been hard to get one. Not to mention that most women in these places likely don't want one, given how homogeneously Christian conservative these places are across the board, black and white and Hispanic. So it's harder to pity or sympathize with the people in these states because they fundamentally think differently than me and probably you, dear listener. So it's almost like you've already not been getting abortions. You've already been having babies really early and maybe too often. You're, you're really lacking education. And that might sound a little condescending, and it, I guess it is. But that's really the issue, in my opinion, a lack of education. And we'll get into that as well. So to close the loop on this, the vast majority of people that you and I know still have access to abortion locally, if not via travel, which is always an option for most people, at least once or twice in their lives. The vast majority of people that have abortions don't have more than one. So I just want to put that in perspective here. Who are we really talking about? What is the real threat? Because for people in New York and LA, nothing has really changed. And one more thing about this federal topic. The USA is kind of like the EU in size and population, roughly speaking. So this is akin to the European Union not having an overarching policy for all of Europeans, which is the case. The EU does not have a policy on abortion. It is determined by each sovereign state. So in a country like Poland, it is a lot harder to get an abortion than in the Netherlands. Is that such a bad thing? Honestly, I'm inclined to say yes. I wish the EU protected the right for every woman to have an abortion, and I feel bad for Polish women that might need one. I want this medical procedure to be a part of every woman's available health care everywhere in the entire world, on this entire planet. But, and I am just thinking out loud here, is it so bad that a Catholic place like Poland or a, a Baptist place like the South 
make up their own mind on this tricky topic. You know, it's funny because I'm making this sort of rel cultural relativism argument, and I don't really respect people in general that make this argument. Progressives, stereotypically, don't exactly lose sleep over the genital mutilations in Somalia or the honor killings in Pakistan. So I just wonder, do you really care what's happening in Baton Rouge, Louisiana to the 16-year-olds that you can barely relate to or think about? I just wonder that. I think it's just largely symbolic, isn't it? So that's basically where we're at. The country is now facing what it wants to do on a state-by-state -state basis, and Texas is kind of the epicenter because it's such a big state with a conservative government. And that'll be interesting. And I am on the side of protecting the right to an abortion. If I was able to vote in Texas, I would vote for politicians that protected it. It's not one of my main issues, and it's not how I vote. But I would definitely not want to vote in California for a Republican that would overturn the right to an abortion. Definitely not. And yet somehow I can see the side of a conservative that religious people don't like abortions. I think it's a net negative to prohibit it. But I guess I just start thinking of all the other ways to handle this topic. Because let's be honest, no one likes abortion. No one enjoys it. It's not like guns or drugs, which are topics that I care about as like a libertarian principled person. People actually enjoy those things and the vast majority of them use them responsibly. This isn't really like that. And to use it as a birth control is quite wildly irresponsible, in my opinion. That said, I don't judge it. I've had female friends that have had abortions. I can count them on one, maybe two hands. But in every uh, instance, I was very sympathetic there for them. And I would continue to be so. Absolutely. I've never been with a partner that's gotten one with me, but I reserve the right to deal with that if and when it ever came up. I just think, is this really the best way to handle it? The best way, in my opinion, is pulling out or in more <laughs> safe lingo, wearing a condom. But who likes condoms, honestly? You think about the details, the technicalities of how to get pregnant, really. And it's pretty difficult, if we're honest. Even at your most fertile or potent, at around the age of 20, you still have to be ovulating. And it has to be right there, you know, on that peak day or maybe the day before and after, those three days of the month that you can really get pregnant. Six days tops, if you really want to be safe. Is it that hard to just pull out or even abstain for three days? Apparently it is. I guess, fair enough, the sex drive is strong. But it's strong for a reason. And it's because people are built to have babies. <laughs> I know it sounds kind of shocking and maybe a little biologically reductive, but that is what the species does, isn't it? It's how we're all here, after all. And I'm not trying to moralize and claim that this is our God-given purpose and that we all should be doing it and that women belong barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. Quite the contrary. I don't have a baby. But it is what we're... It's what people do, isn't it? And to have this kind of uh, countrywide or even global agnosticism on the topic is quite understandable because it's quite a serious endeavor for all those women I know who've had abortions. None of them took it lightly. It's a big deal.
it might be worth a trip to a different city in order to get it, if it means so much. You know, I mean, look, I've made a lot of kind of errant points here about uh, essentially personal responsibility. And I guess that's what, what I need to emphasize at this moment. The government is essentially telling us to be responsible for ourselves and that maybe a nanny state won't necessarily come in to save us. I think that's really the message. And I have some sympathy for that message, to be honest. It's not really what I want to hear. I want my student debt forgiven. I want a universal basic income for me and everyone. But I also can accept that giving people handouts, so to speak, isn't necessarily the best thing for them. And I say that, dear listener, with sincerity, as somebody that's lived that, as a privileged person in this world, I can attest that it's not exactly a quality that makes you stronger and more successful to rely on a safety net, to know that at the end of the day, no matter how much you fuck up, you can be saved through this decision. And I just want to let that linger for a moment when I imagine being female were I to get pregnant on accident. I would feel very shaken and very conflicted that on one hand, it would be such an honor in a way to give birth and to have a child, but yet so tumultuous in my life and to change my life as I know it, that of course I want the option to just say, forget it, not now, please, maybe later. Of course I'd want that option. But if that option weren't there, it would not be the end of the world to know that actions have consequences and that at the end of the day, being a mother isn't the worst thing in the world. It's not some doomed fate. Now, of course, I definitely come from a milieu who thinks, oh no, I can't have it now. I'm, no, I'm not nearly prepared. I don't have enough money to raise a family. And quite honestly, I still believe that very much. <laughs> I would like to be as prepared as fucking possible before having a family. And I very much believe in planned parenthood for that reason. And that's me coming from privilege. When I think of people born in poverty, in destitute poverty, which, which does still exist in very small parts of the country. Well, not so small, to be honest, not the rural parts. Poverty is real, and not everyone has access to anything. Let's be honest. There are food deserts. There are abortion clinic deserts. There are healthcare deserts. There are education deserts. And even in this enlightened day and age, our country still has them. Our planet has them, you know, in abundance. They are shrinking. They are shrinking. The general trends on a macro scale are good and we're getting better. And I don't think any of us really want to live in a world with more abortions. We all want that number to go down, don't we? They're not fun. But I'm just thinking, you know, the law is one way to do it. I do want Democrats to pass a law if and when they ever have uh, control of the government again. It's hard to imagine that given how stupid they are and how they alienate everyone with other inane, woke policies. But if they ever have power again, and at least on state levels, I hope that they do enshrine laws to protect abortion. But if they don't, if they don't, there are so many ways still to not get pregnant. Sex education, y'all. Sex education. It's not so crazy of a concept to go into the deep south 
and educate and give out condoms and talk about the cycle of menstruation and to talk about the dangers that do come with hookup culture and unprotected sex. You know, the older we get, the more relaxed we become on the topic of sex. But it's very appropriate for kids to be afraid of it. It's a big deal. And it's emotional, despite what you might hear otherwise. (laughs) There are emotions that you'll feel when you do it. And, of course, as you grow, you can become more calloused. You can get more into the rhythm of things and enjoy it on certain levels. But kids should be afraid of getting pregnant. And the fact that there is no option out there to abort might emphasize that more. I see some tweets like, guys, fellas, if this happens, you can forget about hookup culture. Like, just like slutty sex is off the table now. I mean, we'll see about that, right? I mean, but would it be so bad if the culture was a little less slutty, honestly? I know I sound somehow like um, a conservative dad. I am of this world. And I do enjoy it, but it doesn't mean that it's the best thing for us. And if it's not on the table that we can always just take that parachute, maybe that's okay to consider our actions a bit more seriously. I don't think that's the end of the world, guys. Having said all that, again, I want to reiterate that I wish that everyone did have access to abortion and In that breath, I'll mention plan B, which is still an option. You can always take plan B if a guy ejaculates in you and you're ovulating. So I'm just confused. Like, we've come so far since the 60s when this Roe v. Wade stuff first was gestating. We've come so far technologically and culturally, I would think, You know, like, we have methods. Almost every girl I know has had, like, an IUD or some other really strong birth control where she can't get pregnant. I know guys that get vasectomies. Like, there are just ways around this that, I don't know, I I feel like it is just so symbolic. And I just want to remind people that this is really pragmatic. And you are not affected. Dear listener, I'm sure you, if you can listen to a podcast and you did not want to baby, you could get an abortion in a lot of places. Looking back at this chart from The Guardian, if you're in New York, you can get an abortion until fetal viability at 26 weeks. But if that's too early for you, cross the river to New Jersey There's no limit whatsoever. If you're in California, again, that fetal viability of 26 weeks is your limit. But if you just go up to Portland, Oregon, again, there's no limit. So you have options. We all have options. And if you did have to carry a baby to term, would it be the worst thing? Is motherhood such a doom scenario? Let's think about the kids that we all might be claiming to represent in our outrage and fear over this. The young girls in the Bible Belt who aren't religious and are poor and shouldn't be straddled with a young family. Let's think about them. My red pill moment has come primarily through two intellectuals who I have to honor here, Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter on their podcasts. They speak a lot about the black community and how the social policy of the policies of the 1960s were designed to help the black family, but actually ended up hurting them. Black divorce rates were lower than whites in the sixties. Now they're higher. Black families were gaining wealth, and now we talk more about institutional racism and injustice. 
And this has all happened through the Lyndon B. Johnson policies of social welfare, giving money to single mothers, discouraging fathers from sticking around, breaking up homes. The drug war has been an immense catastrophe, putting behind bars disproportionately black men fighting street wars to deal drugs. These are two terrible policies. Sorry, the drug war is specifically a terrible policy. Social welfare, I'm not going to call a terrible policy. But these are two policies that really hurt the black family. 30% of black pregnancies right now end in abortion. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. I don't really know. But I just wonder if I or you, dear listener, are the ones to really solve that. Because listening to Glenn Lowry and John McWhorter on the topic, this is ultimately a cultural issue. And in the case of black culture, it's a black issue as to how and why young girls have babies. And I just don't know if allowing and encouraging abortion is necessarily the best thing. I don't know. I'm a bit agnostic on it, to be honest. I think I've made my personal views on it clear, but just politically, in a grander sense, you're kind of racist if you want black girls to have abortions and thus limit black populations, and you're racist if you don't, right? It's a damning scenario in both directions. And I just wonder if it's my business to tell the Mississippi Delta from New Orleans through Memphis into St. Louis what to think and do about this. Because maybe you and I aren't really the ones to make that decision. And furthermore, I think it's kind of funny that there's this protest right now to impeach Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, the longest tenured justice who happens to be a black man. And he doesn't vote the way liberals like, so somehow he's a villain. But maybe he actually speaks for a very loud, silent black majority. What might they be thinking? I've mentioned religion as one of the reasons people don't like abortions. And furthermore, girls like having babies. I know that sounds really sexist, but it's not crazy that around the world for all time, it brings immense joy and unconditional love and responsibility to girls. Dolls exist for a reason, as do pets. So I just think that we get a little, (laughs) I think we forget that in reality, even though most of us live in a world where we don't want to bear the burden of a child too soon or too early, we're kind of unique in that way, historically and globally. We're kind of unique. And I would say that the vast majority of these red states relate more to the cultures of yesteryear than they do to today. That's kind of a hypothesis. And again, I'm just thinking out loud here in my safe space because I want to hear myself say these things and wonder if I really believe them. I guess I'm just not as alarmed. And in all honesty, it just doesn't affect me personally nearly that much. I'm of age now where getting someone pregnant would not be a big deal, frankly. So it's hard for me to invest in this symbolic fight that I see happening in the streets. And now, so I'll talk about that. I just think this is very overblown that we're living in some handmaid's tale doomed society. I just don't see how that's the case where the government is controlling your body. I don't see it. First of all, it's just patently untrue for people I know in New York and California because the government is giving you autonomy over your body, very much so, on this topic at least. 
for masks and vaccines, maybe less so. But it's just not a doomsday event that Roe v. Wade is overturned because it was never a law that was codified in the first place. It was codified by state. And maybe it's up to each of these more conservative states to get their own acts together and figure it out for themselves. I do support a sort of like global UN kind of policy to protect certain human rights, and maybe abortion should fall under there. But maybe they have a point that somebody should speak up for the unborn who have no voice of their own. That's something that animal rights activists might say, or people that advocate for criminals who might deserve their voting rights reinstated. Like I said, it's a tricky fucking topic. And I do wish and hope for the best that Texan girls and even women who've already had enough children get their right to an abortion. I just don't imagine myself marching for it in blue states. It's, it's these symbolic chants that are quite meaningless to me at this point. Keep your laws off my body sounds so much to me, like keep your hands off my guns. A woman's right to choose, it's like you don't even know what is a woman. Most liberal or most progressives can't even define that at this point. So I just get confused as to what these protests are even about, really. Even while I believe in those things and support <laughs> protecting abortion, actually. But the hypocrisy and the lack of clarity and the, you know, false logic and rhetorical errors do really bother me. Where's the consistency? And where is the sky falling, really? The Handmaid's Tale? Do people actually think that that's happening? This is not an Orwellian patriarchy telling you what to do with your body. You have control over yourself, period. End of story. No one is forcing you to have a baby. No one is forcing you to have a baby. Quite the opposite, actually, from what I can see. There are strong cultural influences, and culture is a vast and deep thing. Our shared culture, dear listener, values the single, independent, modern woman. But that is, again, a unique thing that is not shared in the Deep South or much of the Great Plains. And Texas needs to figure out where it stands on these things, much like the Black community or the Latino community or the Christian community. I don't really know if it's mine or your place to decide that for them. And I guess that is the spirit of being pro-choice, actually, which I am quite fundamentally. But maybe that also includes allowing local localities to choose their own policies. It's one thing to protest and active, be activist about this stance, but it's another thing to talk past the other side. And I do think that that's what leftists are doing. It's not a helpful argument to tell Texas that they're this, you know, Orwellian patriarchy that is going back to the Stone Age and owning women as property. Because that's not the conservative argument at all. At all. Just talk to conservative women. They will tell you what they think. They believe in, quote, family values and you know, God's will, maybe. But they're not talking about being owned by some slaver who beats them and rapes them and impregnates them when, as soon as they're menstruating. That's just not the world that we're living in. It is in some parts of the world still to this day, but not in the USA. So it doesn't really scare me. And I don't think it's a good tactic to use that kind of language or that sentiment. But on the symbolic level, I just don't see the argument that 
this is somehow taking away women's rights. And I guess I need to just talk now about this topic of women. I'm not a woman, obviously, but does this topic only concern women? I mean, let's be clear and obvious about this. It obviously concerns the fetus as well. And how is the man who impregnates her not a part of this? I think this is like where people talk past each other. I do see the point that abortion is essentially a medical procedure on a woman's body, on a natural biological woman's uterus. And to that extent, I agree that it should be her business and protected. But it is more than that. It is this moral case for the unborn, for the future of humanity, so to speak. And all people, including men, can have an opinion about that. So I definitely dislike the rhetoric that excludes me from this conversation. I don't appreciate it. Just because I cannot get pregnant myself, I have no say in the matter. I resent that. And I think women or feminists that make that argument should rethink it. These cartoons, these like political jokes, like if a man could get pregnant, it would be available in a vending machine. This is really, really unsophisticated thinking that men would just, you know, abort whenever they felt it was convenient. That is true for some women, and certainly men are less invested in child rearing. It's not growing in their body after all. Plus, just speaking biologically, we're built different. Men spread their seed, quite literally. So this is another topic I've already discussed here on this podcast, but I just don't find it very helpful for the pro-choice side to exclude men and to mock them and to make this all about you. It's quite narcissistic and a bit ugly to have such disdain for the possibility of your own maternity. So let us please stop making this a, a gender war and work cooperatively because we all are invested in this topic. Some more invested than others, some for different reasons. But ultimately, I believe that men and women work cooperatively and we should focus on that. That's how I feel. And I feel alienated from women that tell me otherwise. It's like really disturbed thinking to imagine all men or even a preponderance of men as rapists, wife beaters, misogynists, you know, patriarchal figures, people that just benefit from male-dominated society, people that don't have your interests in mind, people that are exploiting you, using you. Like, this is just dangerous thinking that, to me, suggests a need for therapy if you think that men are like that. If you had a bad father figure or a bad ex-boyfriend, I could imagine why you would think it, but it's just objectively speaking untrue for the vast majority of people. So why are we making it out like that? And furthermore, on the level of statistics, of course it's terrible if a woman is forced to give birth to um, a baby that was caused through rape or incest, um, or even less radical has serious birth defects. It's terrible. But this is such a minute amount of cases. This is less than 1% of abortions. 70% are purely elective. So we have to keep that in mind as well. So all that being said, where do we stand? I do think this is a step backwards, this ruling. I don't like it. In our age of progress, this feels like a regression. But in the greater scheme of things, is it really? Because again, don't we want to get to a world 
with fewer abortions? Don't we want technology to prevent unwanted pregnancies before they even happen? Isn't that what the pill and IUDs and certain shots are designed to do? And isn't that better than abortion? Finally, you know, I could probably just keep going on and ranting on the same vein, but I think on this point, I'll let my friends come to me and make the case as to why exactly this is such a symbolic threat to them. I hypothesize, back to my thought experiment of being a woman, that it has more to do with the fear of losing agency over your life and your body which I can appreciate very much because at the end of the day, we are not ruled by a patriarchy. We are ruled by nature and nature will doom us all quite literally to death and that we cannot escape. So as much as we want perfect healthcare and the choice to do anything and everything, we cannot escape our nature. And I think it's that fear of mortality, ultimately, that this is really about, quite ironically, since, again, right-to-lifers will claim the rights to life for the baby itself. But we are the ones that want to live. It is us. It is us. And God will... <laughs> not abort us, but miscarriages by nature are the number one abortion by far. We cannot escape our nature at the end of the day. And all we can do is guide our own lives as best we can. And that means taking on personal responsibility I tell this to myself, you guys, I need that as well. And I am trying to be as responsible as I can sexually, but also in every other way. And I think it's reasonable to expect adults to do that and to not just provide social security and welfare and access to abortions for when the going gets tough. Having said that, I do want a good government to take care of all of us. I just don't think we can demand it. Definitely not for everyone in the world, because it's just not like that. Not every country is industrialized and wealthy. We should be so lucky to have a government at all. And skilled medical laborers that know how to perform an abortion. And we still have it. We still have that. I do stand with women, my female friends, my family, my future family, possibly, in having autonomy over their lives and every decision. But we can't control everything. We can't control everything. We can't just snap our fingers and decide when we're pregnant. And what I've seen in my experience is that those abortions are often missed opportunities and your real chances at something you might actually want deep down inside quite meaningfully and might not be able to get again. Our nature rules us and ages us and forbids us and limits us. And we blame man, <laughs> men and humankind, we blame. I guess I'm just somehow... appreciative surprisingly 
that we have any sense of stability and protection in this life through our mutual cooperation in the form of society and government that we're in, we're at such a place technologically where this isn't Ireland in the 1700s having eight kids half of whom starved to death we're just in a different place and i don't think these old adages work the same way they don't have the same resonance to claim that we're victims in such a wealthy privileged society it just isn't the case is it and for the victims that really are out there still yes i want them to have access to everything that we that you and i can have access to specifically sex education freedom of dogma religiously specifically but also liberal wokeness to be honest and access to healthcare and all the many birth control options this is the kind of stuff that we need to spread around and gain more access to for everyone and abortion is the last resort to a major choice in your life that no one should have to go through frankly so i guess i'm just trying to highlight the positives here and ask you dear listener to try the same that this isn't the end of the world it's that fact that the more conservative parts of our country of this world aren't on the same page as us and maybe want to have kids and maybe think it is god's will and quite honestly can you prove otherwise really i'm asking it myself and i i just don't know if i can i'll leave it there Until next time. Ciao.